Principles of Economics, my complete guide to understanding economics, is now available in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook from SafeAdeen.com, Amazon, and many more booksellers worldwide. And now, I am also teaching a course based on this book on my website, SafeAdeen.com. Principles of Economics will run the whole academic year, from September to June, and will have a new lecture every two weeks, as well as weekly live online discussion seminars open to learners from all over the world and from all walks of life. Whether you're a student, a professional, or a retiree, you are making economic decisions every day, and this course will arm you with the wisdom of centuries of economists to improve your economic decision-making. You'll also get a free book of Principles of Economics if you sign up for the course. Go to safeaddeen.com and sign up now. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by Orange Pill App, the Bitcoin-only social network that connects you with high-signal Bitcoiners, events, and now merchants as well. If you're like me and can't stop talking about Bitcoin, you know how challenging it can be to talk to the no-coiners and how nice it is to talk to someone who gets you. With the Orange Pill app, you can find the Bitcoiners near you and they can replace the no-coiners in your life. You can organize events and meetups with local Bitcoiners and wherever you travel, you can meet up with local Bitcoiners all while being as anonymous as you like. So if you want to build your local network of Bitcoiners, find a Bitcoin meetup or merchants accepting Bitcoin, head over to orangepillapp.com to sign up or download the app from the App Store or Google Play Store and send me a DM so we can get connected. The Bitcoin Standard Podcast is brought to you by CoinKite. CoinKite are my favorite makers of Bitcoin hardware. They produce the legendary Open Dime, the first Bitcoin bearer asset, as well as the reliable cold card hardware wallet, the excellent stainless steel seed plates for storing your seed phrases, and the block clock. Now, CoinKite have produced the SATS card, a card the size of a credit card which can store Bitcoin and works great as a gift. CoinKite have just produced a limited edition gorgeous Bitcoin Standard SATS card, which carries the Bitcoin Standard logo, and you can get it from coinkite.shop slash Bitcoin Standard. Use the code Bitcoin Standard to get 5% off your purchase. This podcast is also brought to you by the Bitcoin Way, your professional Bitcoin IT team offering you personalized, secure, and comprehensive solutions for every step along your Bitcoin journey. The Bitcoin Way offer live concierge service to guide you with your Bitcoin cold storage, running your node, privacy best practices, inheritance planning, corporate strategy, and multi-sig solutions. They don't touch your coins, they guide you through the process of acquiring your coins and securing them. If you'd like to make your setup safer and more reliable, book a consult with them and see what they have to suggest. If you want to give someone the gift of Bitcoin, get them this professional service that will ensure they start off knowing exactly how to manage their coins and not lose them. Go to thebitcoinway.com and start Bitcoining more confidently. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Standard Podcast. Our guest today is Andy Schoonover, the CEO of CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is one of the sponsors of this podcast, and it is an innovative, remarkable startup, which I'm very happy to be associated with, which reimagines insurance um, and aims to disrupt massively the insurance industry as it currently exists in the United States, or more generally, the fiat health industry, or probably more accurately named the disease industry, which is the very large section of US GDP that goes toward making people sick, managing their sickness very profitably, securing very high uh, returns from this. So um, 
Crowd Health does things very differently. We've had Andy over previously, and we discussed their business model and why I like it so much. And now he's here to tell us more about their progress. They've been uh, doing great since uh, the last time, and they've also added Lightning integration. So, Andy, thank you for joining us. Safe, as always. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, man. So tell us, first of all, before we get into Lightning, tell us what's been new with CrowdHealth since the last time we spoke. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're probably three or four times larger than we last spoke. And that was just, I think, around this time last year, if I'm correct. Um, and so we've just had exciting growth. I think people are finally you know, getting to this conclusion. We're at a tipping point of people understanding that health insurance has been built to control them and not to benefit them. And so they they really are paying money to to someone who is not aligned uh, with, with their interests. And so we're just getting incredible feedback, especially from Bitcoiners. I mean, it's amazing to me how the Bitcoin community has really backed us. And we've been trying to incorporate, you know, Bitcoin philosophies for sure since the beginning, but also Bitcoin as a fundamental part of the the tool it's been incredible you know feedback from that community and and all the bills have gotten paid and the people are happy and um you know it's just been a fun ride for the last year yeah definitely and so give us a little bit of a brief overview of your model for people who didn't listen the last time what is it that you guys do differently yeah, I mean, I think it's probably worthwhile just talking about health insurance real quick, just to give you, you know, contrast. You know, health insurance right now is you're paying money to a big Fortune 100 company. Probably, they're putting that money into a pool, big pool of fiat that is decreasing in value day by day, as we we all know. And then they just get to decide what bills get to be, get paid and what bills are not paid. And so we have a a principal agent problem here because our our agent who's supposed to be on our side actually benefits when our bills don't get paid. So there, there's a, a challenge there. There's some perverse incentives. You know, on top of that, over a longer period of time, an intermediate to long period of time, they want the amount that you get, you pay them to go up so that the revenue goes up. And so they, over a long period of time, actually have an incentive for prices to go up so they can charge more and more every year. So it is a sick care system. It's a disease care system. And so we set out to build something that got rid of some of those perverse incentives. So the way that we work is you pay us $50 a month subscription fee to be a part of the platform. We use that to pay our bills. Um, and we, that's the only source of revenue that we have. So we actually have an incentive for you to stick around for a long period of time so that you can pay us more subscription fees over you know many many months or years and so that's aligned incentives with everybody we keep you try to keep you healthy you pay us money it's value for value it's a perfect scenario and then we ask you to pay for an individual an additional 125 dollars to help somebody else out directly in the community so if one of your fellow bitcoiners gets sick we would reach out to a bunch of Bitcoiners and say, hey, I actually was on Marty's uh, podcast yesterday and his son got a rock in his ear. And so it, it was a $1,300 procedure to get the rock out of you know Marty's uh, son's ear. Um, so we went to a bunch of Bitcoiners and said, would you help Marty? And if they said yes, then they transfer money from their CrowdHealth account to Marty's CrowdHealth account so that Marty now has enough money to pay for his um, son's you know, ear issue. Um, so it is a peer-to-peer -peer transaction without 
a third party getting involved in that. So we don't touch that money. We don't get involved in that at all. And so that's the beauty of, of this model is, is not having somebody else, a middleman, a rent seeker, if you will, capture value from the transfer of, of you know, money from one person to another. Um, starting in 2024, historically, that's been over fiat rails. It's just the only way we could, could do it. Um, starting in early 2024, we are actually getting everybody on our Bitcoin community a lightning wallet. We're using the Breeze SDK to incorporate that into our actual app. And so if, you know, uh, SAFE has an issue that needs, he needs help with, we're going to be sending an invoice to other people in the community to say, hey, you know, we have a member that needs help with a broken arm. Um, will you transfer money to, or Bitcoin to that member? You can say yes. And if so, that goes from your wallet um, over the Lightning Network to SAFE's. And so you, in essence, have enough money then in your Lightning wallet to pay for that broken arm. And so it's all done over Lightning. If for some reason your mem your doctor doesn't want Bitcoin, and most won't to start, but we hope to more and more will along the way, you can off-ramp that and then pay it in fiat, or you can pay it in fiat and just allow that money to stay in your account. And it's a great transfer of fiat assets to to Bitcoin assets. So we'll be starting that in 2024. Super excited about it. I think the cir circularity of Bitcoin needs to, you know, expand. And there's nothing. I don't think there's a better way to to start that than with with healthcare. You know, it's a 4.3 trillion dollar industry in the United States. So if we can get just a little percentage, a small percentage, a few basis points off of that to start, we think that will go a long way to to making Bitcoin a real usable, you know, method of exchange. Yeah, no, I think so. It's a brilliant idea. As I said, um, get fiat healthcare out of your body and get fiat money out of your wealth. Stop them from ruining your health and wealth. It's a double-pronged advantage. I should add, I think the the, the and you, obviously you think that as well. You told me that, but I'm going to add it here. A, a key part of what makes this click is uh, be, besides just the fact that it's a voluntary uh, organization where people decide whether they want to pay, which is very good incentives because uh, the, the the insurance company has an incentive in subsidize in paying for things that is different from yours. They want to raise the bills that they cover because the more that they pay, the more that they get to charge because they have elements of a monopoly. But the difference here is you guys, you pay cash. You don't get into the insurance game. And so you just talk to the doctor and tell them, we're going to pay you cash on the spot rather than put them through weeks, months, maybe years of wrangling with insurance companies, which are going to, going to delay the payment quite a lot and make it a lot uh, more complicated to get it through. So you just negotiate and you pay cash and that's a huge deal and that's a huge difference and the reason this is a big difference is because well on the one on the one side for the doctor this makes sense because they just get the cash and they can move on with their life whereas if they were dealing with an insurance company they might get a lot more money nominally but it takes time and it costs a lot of paperwork and it's complicated to get it and therefore it ends up taking so much of the doctor's time rather than the doctor working on curing patients. The doctor's out there negotiating with uh, insurance companies all the time. So you save them a lot of hassle by just paying them cash and they're happy to give you a discount for it. But of course, the reason this works 
is because of Bitcoin, I posit. Uh, the, because if you didn't have Bitcoin, if, an, if, an, if a typical insurance company tried to do this, they'd have to have a lot of cash on hand. And if they had a lot of cash on hand, that's a problem because fiat cash is constantly declining in value. So they need to constantly be charging more and more because uh, their fiat is declining. And this is where CrowdHealth is cheating effectively by holding part of your reserves in Bitcoin. You benefit from the fact that Bitcoin is not uh, <laughs> criminal money like fiat. It's not money that's designed to steal from you. It's money that's designed for your own good, not for the good of the government that issues it. And so therefore, your reserves appreciate over time. And therefore, you're always sitting on liquid reserves. And therefore, you are always able to just use these liquid reserves to pay doctors because you have a big pile of cash, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's even better than that because we don't even hold the reserves. It's you get to keep that money, right? So you're not holding, you're not sending it to a, a corporation to say, hey, I'm going to hold this just in case so that we can take care of you if something goes wrong. What we're saying is like, look, you need to keep that money and keep it on, in Bitcoin in your own wallet. It's yours, you know, and if we need help with the community, we'll come out and reach out to you and we'll we'll ask you for help if the community has a big issue. But then you can decide yes or no if you want to give it to them. And so we don't even touch it, which is the beautiful thing about this. And you're right. We are cheating. And so there is no need to overcharge you for having this big pool of reserves when you can hold a pool, pool the pool of reserves your, yourself in your own account in a you know non-custodial fashion, we think that's kind of the brilliant component of this. If you have money in a pool of reserves that is declining in value, is not creating any return, that is a massively inefficient use of capital. That capital should be held by you in a way that you feel like is the most effective for you and your family to hold that. And we think that's in Bitcoin. And so that's why we're allowing Bitcoin members to do whatever they want with that, with that dollars. You know, for me, I have a family of four, family of four with crowd health for the crowdfunding component. It's about $5,000 a year. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put $5,000 in my Bitcoin wallet um, at the beginning of the year. And that will be enough to pay for my family over the entire year. And then what happens if that Bitcoin goes from whatever we're at today, $37,000 to 60 or 70 or 100 over the next year. I get 100% of that upside. That value goes to me and my family, right? If, you know, if I had that money in an insurance company, the insurance company gets all that value, not me. And so we want you to benefit from that. And if you think Bitcoin is going up over the next year, which I think most of us do, right? Especially with the, the halving in April and, and things like that's going on. Like, well, I'm going to stick that money in Bitcoin. I'm going to transfer a fiat asset to a, a Bitcoin asset. And let's see that value increase over the next you know year. And I think, you know, I can plant that seed now and I may never have to pay for healthcare again if Bitcoin does what we think Bitcoin can actually do by just making that little investment here up front. And that's what I get super, super excited about. It is massively more efficient than sending fiat to United Healthcare and letting them hold it in a bank account somewhere and see it decline in, in value. So I think we can kind of revolutionize healthcare by use, utilizing Bitcoin as that, that method of exchange. And so that's why we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. You started, you launched, I mean, the timing has so far worked out well for you. I think you launched, it was close to the top when Bitcoin was very high. When you first launched, 
But then over time, the price of Bitcoin went down. And so that might have seemed terrible for a while, but that's when you were growing and acquiring most of your customers. So they started stacking most of them at low levels. And we started the sponsorship with this podcast around last year when Bitcoin was around 15,000, 16,000 or something like that. So it's now up more than 100%. We've more than doubled in a year. So Yeah, most, most of the, very, the funds that went into to, uh, the crowd health were somewhere in that seventeen dollars to $26,000 range. You know, it was in the, the 20s there for a while, then it went up to 70, then it kind of came back down to, to whatever, 17 or whatever. And so most of the, the, the Bitcoin that was, again, transferred from fiat to Bitcoin. This is not, I don't want to take your stack and use your stack for this what i'm saying is is like you have a line item of expenses that you're currently using fiat what i want to do is transfer that line item of expenses from using fiat to be using bitcoin so you're you're transferring fiat assets to bitcoin assets and in the perfect world at least from my perspective i think in your perspective as well i want all my assets eventually transferred to bitcoin assets Right. Like we got to take steps in that. And so that's what's, you know, uh, gets me fired up about this. And in the United States, the number two expense for most people other than their mortgage is their health care. Like if we can take the number two expense for people and transfer it to a a Bitcoin exchange, um, I think, man, that is that is tremendous progress in my mission to make this a, a Bitcoin economy as opposed to a fiat economy. The syllabus for my new online economics course, Principles of Economics, is now available on safedean.com. The course will take place over 18 lectures, each based on one chapter from my new book, Principles of Economics, which will be available for free as an ebook for everyone registering for the course. Lectures will be released once every two weeks on Mondays, starting on the 25th of September, 2023, and will be available in video and audio format. Live discussion seminars will be held once a week on Thursdays at alternating time slots, 12 hours apart, to ensure learners can attend from all over the world. I'm happy to announce that I have set up my new publishing house and online bookstore, The Safe House, which will be publishing and delivering the best Bitcoin and Austrian economics books worldwide in hardcover, audiobook, and ebook formats. Go to thesafehouse.com to buy my latest book, Principles of Economics, as well as the Fiat Standard and the Bitcoin Standard. And now I'm also publishing Fiat Food, Matthew Lishak's amazing investigation into how inflation ruined our diet and health. And I'm also publishing Lynn Alden's Broken Money, her masterful exploration of the failures of the global financial system and how Bitcoin fixes it. This is a Bitcoiner's bookshop, so the books are printed in beautiful cloth hardcover made to last with an ice-colored dust jacket on top. Go to thesafehouse.com and get yours now. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Um, I, I agree entirely. I think this is really the way that it's done. Can you give us an idea about how much the average uh, CrowdHealth member is up on their uh, stack so far? Do you have numbers on that? It's Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's somewhere between 30 and 40%. Yeah, that's fascinating because, I mean, nobody, no insurance company has managed to make 30 or 40% on its holdings over the last year or two, right? I mean, the vast majority of insurance companies, um, I presume, well, maybe not even the vast majority, I think all of them are required to hold a very large chunk of their uh, assets in government bonds. 
you know, risk-free, safe and effective government bonds, <laughs> which have been getting murdered um, on the markets over the last couple of years. This is another reason why your insurance premium is going up. Obviously, the insurance company, we spoke extensively about the perverse incentive they have for um, upping the bills. And of course, doctors and uh, medical providers have an incentive to raise the bills as well. But beyond just that, everything is rising in price because the value of the money is going down. And the vast majority of investors cannot beat inflation. And if they can, they beat it for a year or two or three or four, but they can't do it consistently. And so insurance companies are constantly losing on their portfolios and or maybe not constantly losing but they're definitely not making bitcoin style gains and that's why they are in deep trouble and that's why they have to keep raising the uh, deductible and raising the copay and raising the amount that you have to pay to get on their plans and that's why that also feeds into higher uh, fees for the doctors and so on so it's it's really remarkable i think that there is a case to be made that insurance itself is not really something that would exist in a hard money economy or maybe would exist at a much, much, much smaller scale because money is insurance. That's what money is. The whole point of having money is that you don't know what the future contains, that you don't know what the future holds for you. And so therefore you keep money because of uncertainty. We've discussed this. I've discussed this in my books. There's also that great paper by Hans Hermann Hoppe called The Yield on Money Held Reconsider. And it's um, and and it's, it's something that keeps getting repeated in Rothbard and Mises' work. The reason people hold money is because of uncertainty. If there was no uncertainty, if you knew the future, one hundred percent, you wouldn't need to hold money. You would have your investments. You would have all your money invested, and then you'd be able to liquidate your money whenever you needed from these investments. Oh, or you you would plan it so that the investments run out at the time that you need to have your expenditures. But then, of course, your expenditures are uncertain. And so you need liquid assets that can be disposed of very quickly without having to liquidate things and sell things that are not liquid. And so, therefore, people hold money. And if the money held on to its value over time, if the money was hard, then... Over time, yeah, if you get into a car accident, you need money. If you get sick, you need money. Well, that's what you save for. And imagine if we'd gone through a world in which we'd had generations upon generations of people saving because their money did not suck. Then we would live in a world in which most people would have enough savings that they'd be able to provide for themselves. And then they'd also be able to provide for those less lucky who don't have savings because you know there'd be a lot of people who have a lot of wealth, so they'd be able to provide for charity. So I'm not so sure how much insurance itself would thrive in a world in which we have in which we have a hard money. The way that I see it is that we're going to head toward that because most likely what we're going to see is that insurance companies are going to realize Bitcoin is a great asset for them to hold on their uh, balance sheet because it's outperforming most of the other assets that they hold on their balance sheets. And uh, I think people are also going to arrive at that independently by realizing that instead of paying all of that money to my insurance company, if I just stack sats, then I'll end up being able to afford better healthcare if I just pay cash. And I think joining something like CrowdHeld is a, is, is, a, is a great example of a transition between this, between the first and the second, um, between, between the insurance system and, the, and, the, and, and a hard money system, because 
there's an element of community that alleviates the risk because if you don't have a lot of money, particularly today, health care is so expensive in the U.S., well, if you're joining in a system where you help others, then they can also help you. They can cover the downside in case there is a very massive negative shock. But over time, who knows, maybe maybe Bitcoin obsoletes it. Hey, you know, if, if uh, Bitcoin obsoletes the insurance business, I would cheer. You know, if that means that Bitcoin then would next obsolete my business, I think we could also cheer. You know, I, I think that ultimately what I'm I'm trying to do is create a company that I think truly alleviates suffering in many ways, and at least our, you know, my country, the United States. Um, and, and if we can alleviate that suffering in the interim, like that's, that's ultimately what I'm trying to do. You know, we have a system currently, a fiat system that even though that you have insurance, we have something like 200 to 250,000 families every year going bankrupt, even though they have health insurance due to a medical event, right? Going bankrupt due to a medical event, which that's just not right, right? It's, it's not it's not right. And we have something like 70 or 80 million Americans additionally that have healthcare debt on their credit cards. And so these these are things that only I think occur within a fiat world, you know, that I think would be be solved in a in a Bitcoin world. And if we can be, you know, help in that transition, we would be, you know, excited about that. So, you know, this is a missional thing for me. Um, I, I, I hire I hire missionaries, not mercenaries, you know, people who are truly in this for the mission. You know, I put something on Twitter the other day. It's like most of the people who have joined Crowd Health are not doing this because, you know, it's cheaper, although it is cheaper than than traditional health insurance. It's because we have a bunch of people who are on mission and want to be a part of that revolution. And so we hum- almost get nobody cancel we get hardly any i can count on you know two hands almost the amount of people that we we lose on on a monthly basis within the bitcoin community and so you know if you're on mission and you're interested in being with a group of people a community of people a tribe of people who are on mission with you to expand the use of of bitcoin then you know come and join us i think the cool thing about us also is we have this group of Bitcoiners who are all funding each other's health expenses. So if you think about not only is the payment system better, because as you mentioned, we're getting doctors cash at the point of care or Bitcoin at the point of care. And therefore we're getting 30, 40, 50% better, you know, better rates than, than health insurance plans. Plus we have a group of people who actually are taking self-sovereignty, are sovereign over their health, are sovereign over their behavior and aren't victimized by, you know, everything that you can be victimized by, that group of people is going to act better, more aligned with the community than a group of fiat actors. And so, you know, these things multiply themselves. You have fewer health events at a lower price. That's multiplicative. Um, and therefore, that's why the 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 rate for what you can get on crowd health is significantly better than what you get on, you know, United Healthcare. So you're getting both benefits here, a better money benefit and a better behavior benefit, which just reduces costs significantly. And what we think is people will be incentivized 
to take better care of themselves to be a part of our community because you you gotta be in decent shape um you can't be over 240 pounds you can't be a smoker you can't be you know acting with some of these bad behaviors to be a member of the group and so you are actually paying for other people's health events that most of the time they just got the raw end of the deal you know it's just things happen you know life happens and we got a lot of mountain biking face plants you know a lot of active injuries and a lot of babies like those are the two biggest expenses it's not a lot of illnesses it's a lot of people reproducing and are out in the sun being active and stuff just happens when you're out moving your body and you're active but overall those illnesses are very very low we just have you know active injuries and in babies that most of these people are paying for and wouldn't you prefer to pay for that than pay for some of these other things that you're paying for with traditional insurance which is, you know, these drugs that, you know, are, are taken to lose weight, these surgeries that are taken to lose weight. Most plans in the United States are required to pay for transgender, tra you know, transitioning. Like, do you want to be paying for that? Or do you want to be paying for other Bitcoiners, babies, and, you know, crap that happens when they're out being active and taking care of themselves? Like that to me is an obvious answer. Um, and so, yeah, you know, that's that's the great kind of part about what we're doing. Yeah. And like with most of these uh, active injuries, uh, yeah, people will break an arm or a leg and they'll be out of action. Uh, they can't bike or play basketball for a couple of months, but then they're back on their feet and then they're back being healthy and productive again. Most of the things that uh, fiat insurance uh, pays for are forever basically once you've gotten obese and diabetic it's for the vast majority of people it's just a one-way road to getting more and more obese and more and more diabetic and less functional and more sick and more expensive and it's just it's always been astonishing to me just how much low-hanging fruit there is out there for insurance companies to reduce their costs if they just incentivize good behavior but you don't see that you don't see them telling people hey quit eating sugar and processed food and carbs and seed oils and that will reduce your health it's astonishing because you would expect again the classic way of thinking about it is that these insurance companies pay more money the more sick you are so the sicker you get the more they have to pay money. So then it's in their incentive to keep you healthy. You'd expect they'd provide you all kinds of incentives for you to behave in a healthy way for them to pay less and less money. You'd expect that they'd, I mean, people talk about all of this surveillance that we have. Insurance companies should, could probably figure out everything that you're buying just through all of the surveillance that they have uh, access to if they get into what you're using your credit credit card for. And it's very simple for them to figure out what kind of food you're eating, how much you're drinking, what bad habits you have, whether you're smoking or not, uh, how many times you go and have breakfast at IHOP, how many times you uh, go out drinking late at night. They, they they can get that information relatively easily and they could incentivize you to behave well by basing your rate based on that. So every time you drink, your rates go up slightly. That would offer people a lot of very good incentives, but you don't see any of that. And it's puzzling until I spoke to you and then I understood the regulatory reasons which drive insurance companies to want you to get more and more sick so that they can charge more and more money because the more money they charge, 
the more money they make because they are essentially in a, a monopoly or they have a large degree of monopolization in their field. And there are all these uh, regulations that you mentioned last time which make these their incentives. And because of Bitcoin, you can just opt out of all of that. You can actually make that the system. You tell people, you can't join us if your BMI is too high. That's it. And that's just the 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 biggest source of costs eliminated so you you're cheating again by just simply going with people who don't get very sick because they don't do the things that are likely to make you very sick and that's a he makes a huge difference yeah i mean we, we've got m multiple examples and it's not even just anecdotal it's like we have a, a significant number of examples where people are like I wanted to be a member of crowd health, but I was over the weight limit. And so I made behavioral changes so that I could be a part of the community. And so what we're seeing is if you take sovereignty over your own healthcare expenses, ultimately the bill is your expense. You tend to take more sovereignty over your actual body and your, your health. Right. And that's ultimately what we need is everybody to be able to take sovereignty over their own health. Whereas right now we're outsourcing it to insurance companies. We're just saying, okay, well, if we don't get, if we're not healthy and we get sick, an insurance company is going to pay for it. What happens if you say, hey, if I get healthy, if I'm not healthy and I get sick, I have to pay for it. There's an incentive structure there that says, hey, I need to be going to the gym. I need to be working out. I need to be watching what I put into my body. And so there is a self sovereignty over this that I think has significant behavioral changes. Another interesting one was we had a member who had colon cancer or has colon cancer. And he was a part of, I'm pretty sure he was a part of the Bitcoin community. He came to us and he said, listen, I have colon cancer. I want it the best care possible, but I don't want to screw my community. Um, and so would you help me find doctors who will treat me great, but will also not price gouge me? Um, and so we did. And, you know, praise God, like it looks like, you know, his, his colon cancer, which you don't hear this very often, is not going to, you know, end up killing him. And so we got him great doctors, great care at a reasonable price. All because one, he took sovereignty over his own health, but two, he was in a community of people who, you know, if I misbehave, who am I screwing in crowd health? Well, myself, because I'm ultimately responsible for my bill, but also safe and Marty and Jimmy and Robert and all these people who I know they're a part of my community and love. I'm screwing somebody who's a part of my own community, not a big health insurance plan. In a health insurance company, if you have a health event, like you want to suck, extract as much value out of that system as possible. But now that you're in a community of your own tribe, it's your own family, if you will, you don't want to screw them. And so you want to act in a, in a very, very different way. And so all of these incentives within crowd health are aligned with better outcomes for us as individuals, therefore better outcomes with the community. And it's just something you don't see with health insurance. And ultimately, I think that is the problem that we have in our country um, with the health care system that we have is nobody's incentivized to take care of themselves, <laughs> you know, because you don't ultimately bear the cost, either communally or fiscally bear the costs. Um, and so we've solved that with, with crowd health. You have this little crowd of people, it's your tribe. Don't screw your own community. Like that's just a shitty thing to do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a hugely impactful, I think, uh, an enormous amount of people who can't motivate themselves and an enormous part of the reason that many people can't motivate themselves is the absence of belonging to a group or feeling that there are others out there that care for you, that want you to be better. 
Um, and I think it, 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 psychologically, it's actually extremely powerful. I remember this moment very well once I was playing soccer and I was on a team. We were winning. It was the last five minutes or so. And I pulled up with a cramp and it was extremely painful. And I, you know, generally when you get a cramp, you think that's it, that the game is over. You can't play anymore. And so I lay down on the ground and I thought, all right, that's it. My team's gone. And we didn't have any more subs. So I thought the team's going to have to finish this job the last five minutes without me. And I was just in pain. And then the, the team captain looks at me and says, get up, we need you. And immediately I, my foot got better and I was able to finish the game. I think a big part of this is just feeling that other people need you gets your body to tap into another level. It, it gets you to care. It gets you psychologically interested. And it's just feeling like you're part of something, part of a group that cares about you. I think it's a huge difference. And I think that's something that you don't get from regular fiat insurance because they're out there. They're just looking to pump up your bill as much as they can because the bigger the bill, the bigger they can, the, the more money they can make. Yeah. And in essence, they want healthcare to be expensive because if it wasn't expensive, you wouldn't need them. Right. So they are, yeah. they are perpetuating an expensive structure because it makes them relevant. I think, you know, your community thing is, is, is right on. I mean, you know, ultimately, unfortunately, and I think this is one of the catalysts for the decline in morale in our country generally, you know, is in the 1970s, we had government and insurance companies coming in between us and our neighbor so that they basically say, Hey, you don't have to take care of your neighbor anymore. You don't have to help them. You don't have to love them well. Um, we got them. The government's got them. Government's going to step in here and take care of everything. So you don't have to, you know, and and so that sense of community, I think, in our country has gotten eroded over time because the, we just look at the government and say, oh, well, you're going to take care of them. You know, like, honestly, when I go by a guy on the side of the road who is panhandling for money. You know, my initial thought is, and I'm being honest, is like, okay, well, there's got to be some government service for them, right? Like, there's a government thing there, right? Like, why doesn't the government take care of them? When in reality, the reaction should be like, no, no, that dude's a part of my community. Like, how do I help him as a member of the community as opposed to just relying upon the government who does an absolutely horrific job at it? Whereas we as a community could be way, way better, but we have gotten psyoped into thinking that all the bad stuff that happens in our country, the government can take care of, as opposed to our community can take care of, right? And I think it needs to go back to, we need to get back to being community. And we're doing that at, within the healthcare space and albeit in a digital way. You know, you were at our Bitcoin conference happy hour, and we had somewhere between 100 and 150 people there who were all point part of the crowd health community. And you could tell they're like, we're kind of fired up to be a part of this group of people who are helping each other with with our health care. And it's my Bitcoin people like these are my people like they, this is the part of the community that I want. And I think a lot again, a lot of the more moral decline, whether it be, you know, in suicide or, you know, health decline or, you know, obesity, you can go on and on and on, I think is a direct result of us. We just don't feel like we're a part of something, you know, we're, we don't think we're a part of a community. And I think primarily that's because government has blown up communities in our country. So anyway, that's my rant. But no, that's a very, very good point.
in uh, the fiat standard and the Bitcoin standard, discuss how fiat money undermines the family. And that you can see it uh, because it used to be that family is the primary mechanism for providing for people when they're too young or too old or too sick. And that's why life is a, it's not a single player game. It's a family player game. You play life on a family. If you don't have a family when you're very young, you're likely not going to make it. And throughout life, you likely get many of these instances where you need the support of a family. And the way that families do that is through saving. The way you save and you pass on your savings through generations. And the idea is to try and increase savings as much as you can. And that's what allows families to take care of each other. So then fiat money comes along. It destroys our ability to save, but it enhances the government's ability to provide. And so now the job that was the job of the family to provide for you when you're sick or when you're younger or when you're old, that's now being taken over by the people who can take away your wealth because they have all the wealth. And so they get to decide. And that's why people start to think of their government as their family. And that's why... Government is responsible for your kids. Government is responsible for you when you're old. And so the incentive to invest in family financially and emotionally and um, in, all, uh, in all ways is undermined. And I think you could make the same point about community. I didn't discuss this in my book and it just occurs to me. Uh, I mean, I just heard it from you right now, but I think you could also say the same thing. A lot of these jobs that were community-based, uh, a lot of these tasks that were community-based, like say there's a homeless guy. Well, what do we do about this guy in our community that is homeless? How do we stop him from living in the street? Uh, how do we stop this guy from um, uh, being sick when he has nobody to take care of him? Well, that's what a community is for. The, the, you, you live in a neighborhood. You don't want to see people being destitute and dying around you. And you'd rather they live in a better way. And so if everybody has savings, it becomes easier for people in the community to take care of each other. But when you all don't have savings because our savings are constantly being devalued and we're all in debt because that's the only way to survive in a fiat system and we all have to pay mortgages or get kicked out on the road again. First of all, homelessness becomes more common because a lot of people are um, going to miss a couple of mortgage payments and then they're going to end up on the street. And uh, secondly, when they end up on the street, we don't have a lot of savings to support them. And so then we just end up voting for people that are going to promise us that they're going to take care of them. So, yeah, I'm going to destroy your money so that I will take care of your neighbor rather than just letting you have the money. And it's uh, it's it's it's. The only way this we're, this is going to be reversed is online, and I think the Bitcoin is going to be a pivotal part of this because it's allowing us to rebuild communities without having to be in the physical in the same physical space with one another because we can all interact online, and we can find the things that are common between us online, and we can build a community, and then and you see that happening with Bitcoiners across all kinds of axes of interaction and i think this uh, crowd health is, is, is a beautiful example of these things because that's it you've snapped out of the fiat programming and now you understand that your health is in your hand and you want to take care of your health and you want to do the best that you can and then if you find a community of people that think that way then you're able to join them on that quest i think it's very very powerful yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, the thing that came to mind when you were talking through this is like, how did we get here? You know, how is the government able to do this, you know, basically successfully in their mind? You know, and I think a lot of it is is what, you know, uh, uh, just a an idea that I've learned from your books, which is this 
low time preference versus high time preference view of the world, right? It's much easier for us to outsource our responsibilities to a government because now we're no longer responsible for it. That is a high time preference approach to the world. And we've now gotten to where we have gotten, which is a decay of the family, a decay of communities. Whereas if we would have taken a low time preference approach, which is, hey, we as community have to take on the responsibility for each other. That's much harder to do. It takes a little bit more of my time and my effort. And I, I wanna make this relevant to the conversation around insurance too, because I think a lot of people are so kind of, again, psyoped into thinking that insurance is the only way. And how does that work in our country? Well, it's, we have a little card in our wallet that we go to the doctor and we give them a card. And so we don't have to think about it, worry about it until, you know, weeks or months later when the bill shows up and it's significantly higher than it would have been if we had worried about it, you know, at the time of care. And so now we're stuck with huge bills from insurance companies that we don't have any place, any ability to, to negotiate. And so what we're asking you to do as with Crowd Health is, you know, press the hard button, you know, press the the high time or the low time preference button and, you know, do the work at the time of care so that we can get you really good rates so that you don't have to deal with this later, you know? And so it's so many, so much of like the just decay of the monetary system, the moral system, everything is this high time preference approach to life, which satisfies you in the moment. I can go have, you know, Twizzlers now and it satisfies me now, but my body is going to be impacted for years and years to come with, you know, if I, if that's a recurring situation. And so just so much of it, I, I should call crowd health, a low time, low time preference health. Like if I can get a group of people who have low time preference, then you can fundamentally change your expense structure in your home the composition of your body and how it lasts, you know, when you're 80 years old, because I want people when they're 80 years old to be able to run around the backyard with their grandkids, you know, as opposed to sitting in wheelchair, you know, and that on, the only way to get there is a low time preference approach to life, you know, and so I want our members to, to live hard and die fast. Like, I want you to live really, really well for the next 40 or 50 years. I'm 44. So 40 or 50 years and then die fast. Like I want to die in my sleep and not wake up as opposed to dying in a nursing home, you know, being there for three years in a slow decay, you know? And so that's like my, my mission behind crowd health. It's like, let's, let's change the cost structure of healthcare. Let's do it utilizing Bitcoin and let's get a group of people who have low time preference approaches so that in 40 or 50 years, we don't have these chronic conditions. We don't have congestive heart failure, diabetes, you know, cardiovascular issues. And like, man, if we could put those three things together, like, I think we can change America to be thriving again, you know? And so that's, that's my mission behind this is can we motivate people to, to, be better with their healthcare, be better with their money, be better with what they, their nutrition and their wellness. And man, if you can put those three things together, you've got something magical. Um, so that's ultimately what we're trying to do within one organization. Maybe it's naive to think we can do it, but, you know, great things happen from, you know, naive, uh, you know, approaches. I, I, I think Satoshi probably was like back in the day, was like, maybe, maybe I'm being naive to think that this could take over the world. And here we are, you know, a trillion dollars of market cap later from a, you know, a, a, what many people could consider a naive, you know, approach to, to the monetary system. So 
you know, hopefully we look back a decade from now and be like, maybe that wasn't as naive as he thought. It was actually, you know, something, a really cool thought that a lot of people can get behind. So the fact that I'm on your podcast with, you know, one of the well, best known names in Bitcoin who can talk about this, I think is even testament to like, hey, there's there's something to this. Like there's something to the incentive structure that that motivates people to take better care of their money and take better care of their health like there's there's something to this oh i agree entirely and i think the key thing is whether i mean i guess the answer of whether you're being completely delusional in thinking that you can make a big change or not is to look at the margin you know they say the road of a thousand miles starts with a step it's always one step and so you just got to look at the step are you at least walking in the right direction if it's a thousand miles and if you're on the right direction then it'll happen eventually you just need to keep walking and this is what we see like we see this already with bitcoiners even before crowd health came along you're not the first person to notice that bitcoiners get into all kinds of um, low time preference ideas so you see they care a lot more about diet a lot of people lose weight when they find bitcoin a lot of people get married when they find bitcoin a lot of people have kids when they have find bitcoin and it's uh, i don't think it's a coincidence that i don't think it's just confirmation bias i think uh, it's something that many people report on a first hand in a conscious way like once you've figured out that you can use this thing to save for the future, it provides you a sense of security in the future that makes the future less and less uncertain. And then you start thinking about the future and you start prioritizing it. And then you get into this cycle of you provide for the future. And then when the future comes along, things are better because of what you did in the past. And then you start wanting to do more better things for your future self. And then it's uh, kind of like how people's life can spiral out of control it's the exact opposite it starts spiraling into control because it's almost like an addiction you want to sacrifice enjoyment today because you want to see how good tomorrow can be and so you quit drinking you quit drugs you quit all kinds of bad habits and you focus on uh, doing good things so good job it's amazing to see that it's one of the most shocking things i've only been in bitcoin for three or four years now but like you see that once you step into bitcoin and you go down that rabbit hole, like so many different asset aspects of your life improve as a, a result of that. And I think it is fundamentally this low time preference approach that Bitcoiners have to, to, to life that an investment now is going to um, impact you in the future and, and multiply, multiply, you know, multiply the impact. Um, and so it's a beautiful thing to see and, and watch. And that's why I think why we've been so successful is we've got a group of people who live that way and their expenses reflect that. And so that's that's a pretty cool part of this. Yes, fantastic. Okay, now let's get back to Lightning. So what is it that you guys are doing with Lightning? How have you integrated Lightning exactly? Yeah, so um, you, right now everybody who with CrowdHealth has a Crowd uh, Health app um, on your phone and we have integrated a Lightning wallet into that app. And so, you know, in, instead of, you know, doing the, the the funding of expenses over the, the fiat rails, which by the one is ways super slow and super expensive to do, you know, like the exchange fees is something like 3%, you know, so you lose 3% of your value every time you exchange, you know, funds with somebody else, we get rid of that. And if you're doing it over ACH, it takes somewhere like three to six, sometimes even longer that that days to settle. Over Lightning, you get the money immediately. 
And so the more and more I've dove into the fiat rails, the more I realized that the the Bitcoin rails, if you will, the lightning rails are just wickedly more efficient than what we can do on the, the fiat side. Right. And so it's like it just makes tons of sense to now exchange funds over lightning as opposed to doing it over the, the fiat rails. And so, you know, fundamentally, the way that this works is that, you know, we we will send you a message on our app that says you have a request from a member of the Bitcoin community. Here is the request It's for a knee replacement, whatever, um, a baby. Here's how much it's for. Um, here is the two scores that we have for this bill. And so let me walk through those to make sure that people understand this. One is, has this member been a good member of the community in the past? So if I were to at being asked for funds from SAFE and everybody else, you will know, have I been a good member? Have I helped other people in the community? So, you know, the last 10 uh, requests, have I said yes, 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 yes to people? Or have I said no, 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 no to people, right? And if I've said yes, 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 then it's easy for me to give to somebody else who's been a really good member of that community. If I've said no, 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 then I'm not going to give to somebody who's a bad member of the community. And so this is a kind of a, a policing function of the community that good community members typically get there or have always 100% have gotten their health events funded. Bad members of the community haven't got their health events funded. So it's, it's, a, it's a great policing mechanism here. The second score that I give you is, did somebody pay a ridiculous amount of money for this service? So unfortunately, I was in the ER about three weeks ago. I'm fine. Everything is good. But I got the bill about a week ago. Maybe it's 10 days ago. And I now have a itemized list of all the things that I paid for. And let me give you an example of one that's ridiculous. Everybody has seen an IV, um, you know, it's the bag hanging up on the metal stand. Um, that, that bag, what's in that bag, if it's a hydration IV, cost about $3. I got billed $5,400 for that bag of salt water, right? And so wow. I got a decision to make. Do I want to submit that to the community at $5,400 for the $3 bag of IV, or do I want to negotiate it, Right. If I submit that that bag for fifty four hundred dollars, um, Crowd Health flags something to the community and says this is an egregious bill. And so you can decide if you want to pay it or not. But this is a red flag, egregious bill, way too much. This person is not treating your money like it's their money, right? Um, that could be that's my one option. Or I could give this to Crowd Health and I can say, Hey, Crowd Health, will you negotiate this for me? Um, and, and crowd health will then go and give this to a team of attorneys and reach out to the doctor to the hospital and say, "This is price gouging. This is unfair and deceptive practices. You will get sued if you continue down this route of trying to overcharge people for a bag of salt water." Um, and therefore, we are able to negotiate that bill down significantly, right? And so. If I take that option, then I'll go back to the crowd health community and say, hey, this bill was negotiated. So those are the two things that you get. And that's to help like a little bit police the bills, right? Like we want you to treat your money, other people's money, like it's your money. So you get that request. You can say yes to that request or no to that request. If you say yes, then money is Bitcoin is transferred from your Lightning wallet to their their Lightning wallet. And ultimately, you'll have enough money in that Lightning wallet to either pay the bill directly via Lightning, or you can off-ramp it to fiat and pay it, 
or you can just keep the money in your Lightning wallet and pay it in fiat. And then you're basically have just transferred assets from fiat to, to Lightning. So you have a, an option. You know, the way I've talked about it to my wife, who is not a Bitcoiner, it's like, hey, if we all had Venmo wallets and we had a health event, right? People and people Venmoed us a bunch of money so that we had enough in our Venmo wallet to go and pay for that health event. Then we have a decision. We can do whatever we want. We can, you know, pay it directly out of Venmo. We can suck it back down into our bank account and then pay it, or we can just keep it in our Venmo account. It's kind of the same, the same thing. But in essence, what we're doing is we're giving you a wallet, a healthcare wallet that you can, you know, collect these dollars and then you have enough Bitcoin, you can pay it in Bitcoin or do whatever you want with it. So we give people a lot of flexibility around that. And thus far, we're, I think we just crowdfunded Bill like 10,000 or something like that. It's worked every time effectively. And like I said earlier, we're getting our members about 50% better rates than what health plans are paying for the exact same service, which is incredible. That just shows you that United Healthcare being, I think, the seventh largest company in the world by revenue doesn't actually have much negotiating power. Me and you as individuals have significantly more negotiating than United Healthcare does, which is astounding. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it's so much that they don't have the negotiating power as much as it is the incentives. They don't have the incentive to negotiate your thing down. Is, would you say that's the case? I think it's both. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we have uh, two two hospitals in Austin. And so United Healthcare comes in and they have to have both of those hospitals, those big hospital systems where they lose access to everybody in Austin. And so they come in and even if they wanted to negotiate, right, the hospital will be like, no, you don't, you can't because it's duopoly. I mean, you're, you're negotiating against a duopoly. And so, and they're like, okay. And they don't really fight it. And so, prices go up as a result of that. So they don't have a lot of negotiating power and they don't really want to negotiate. They kind of have to act like they want to negotiate just to keep face. But that's ultimately, you know, the you and I, like I said, I mean, we, the hospital, let's just say the worst case scenario, like a NICU baby or a, an auto accident. Um, and it, it, the bill is a million dollars, right? The, the bill being a million dollars, the hospital then has a, a decision to make they can bill us for a million dollars, which would put us into bankruptcy, or they can negotiate. And so 99 times out of 100, they're going to negotiate because they want a reasonable, you know, payout from that, that bill. So um, that's, that's, that's the negotiating power that you have as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, well, what else have you guys got uh, planned? What are your plans for uh, going forward? Any other surprises? You've got lined up. Any things you want to tell us? Oh, we, we got all kinds of good stuff coming up in, in 2024. I mean, other than the Lightning Wallet, which is a big one for us and we think is going to create, you know, significant you know, value for our customers. You know, the other thing we're doing is we're building a database of, of Bitcoin docs. Sorry, say if my dogs are <laughs> fighting. So we, um, we have a database of Bitcoin docs that we're creating. And so one of the things that I think is impactful here is if we can have the demand and the supply of payers in Bitcoin and people who will accept Bitcoin on the doctor side, um, I think you got something pretty special. And so what we're trying to do is create a database of doctors who will accept Bitcoin. And so if you are in, let's just say Dallas, and you want to go to a, a doc that is a Bitcoin doc and will accept Bitcoin, then we will provide you with, with that, that doc. And so what is the benefit of that? One is you can pay them in Lightning, you know, in, in Bitcoin. The second is 
I think Bitcoin doctors act differently than fiat doctors, meaning that if you have a Bitcoin doc, you're tr going to, from my experience, get to the underlying issue of what's going on as opposed to just addressing the symptoms. I think fiat docs use pharma first and you know wellness second. What I think what from I've seen from Bitcoin docs is they go to wellness first. Like what can we change in your diet? What can we change in your exercise routine, your sleep habits, things like that versus going to pharma first. And so I think creating a, a database of doctors who are accepting Bitcoin is a pretty cool component of getting you know better healthcare in this country. We have the best doctors in the world, I think. However, we do have doctors that have been trained to go to a pharma first type of solution as opposed to a wellness and a diet first solution. So that's one of the huge benefits of, of you know, using us. Yeah, no, I agree entirely. I think, uh, you know, the doctor that has figured out Bitcoin is almost certainly smarter than the doctor who has not. Let's face it. It's just, um, it's basic math. I mean, if you could get your head around Bitcoin, then you got it. And so, and then, and then you're right. It's going to reflect on all these uh, behaviors. They're going to be more low time preference. They're going to be more future oriented. They're going to be more prevention oriented. There's an Arabic saying, spending a little bit on prevention is better than spending a uh, an enormous amount on cure. And it's it's all over, but doctors don't do it. It's it's one of the most astonishing things. You walk into the doctor's office and you tell them, look, I've got this problem. And it's very obvious that this problem is caused by eating food or living, making certain lifestyles choices. And the vast majority of doctors will not pick that low-hanging fruit of telling you, hey, you stop waking up every morning and stuffing your mouth with garbage all day and then going to bed. Find another way to live your life that doesn't involve endless quantities of garbage. And you're going to see a lot of improvement. But there's no pill to be sold with that. It's a lot more profitable. Just telling them, keep at it. And uh, keep, ha keep keep having the pill. I, have, I was just hearing from a friend recently who had a problem, went to several doctors. And the first couple of doctors, they were all just, they told him, yeah, this is, you've got this problem. And he said, all right, anything I can do to change it? Anything I should look out for? Things that I should or shouldn't eat? And the doctor just said, you know what? Maybe, but if you just take this pill, you can eat whatever you want. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Everybody wins. This pill now, right, that we're seeing out there, I whatever it's called. Ozempic. Exactly what it is, but people are Ozempic. losing. Ozempic, yeah, right. Because you can take Ozempic and you can, lose, you can lose weight. The problem with that is that you also lose muscle mass. So if you lose muscle mass while you're losing weight, in fact, you're becoming even fatter afterwards because your body composition has declined. And the number one indicator of whether you're going to live to 80 or 90 years old is your, your muscle mass. You know, and so it just, it's one of these things, again, it's a high time preference solution to, to a problem that should be a low time preference problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's so prevalent. It's sad, but I think crowd health can change this. So anybody listening, if you're a doctor and uh, you're into Bitcoin, uh, get in touch with crowd health. Maybe you could be one of their uh, service uh, suppliers. All right. We've got another question from Thomas. Thomas is saying, Usually hospitals decide to treat you for an emergency based on your insurance subscription status. How does that work if you need urgent care as a member of CrowdHealth? So if you show up at a 
hospital and you're sick um, or something, uh, some emergency has happened, you don't have an insurance card. So that makes them think that you're a high risk patient. So what do you do? Yeah, it's actually illegal in the United States to treat anybody different based upon their insurance status. And so, okay. yeah, it's it's illegal to do that. I, I, what I found is, you know, again, I was in the hospital, I don't know, three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. What I have found, though, is that they actually will give me choices. With an insurance, they do whatever they can do to maximize revenue. For me, it was a choice. And so, and it'll give me one example. You know, I, I went in because I was having trouble talking of all things. It was weird. They thought I was potentially having a stroke. And, and in fact, what it was, was a, a complex migraine. But the doctor came to me, he's like, look, since you're uninsured, I, I want to just tell you something. Like, what I normally would do here is give you this medication. And this medication is $40,000. So do you want this medication or don't want this medication? And it, ultimately, I asked him, I said, well, what is it? And what are the side effects? And he's like, well, it's, you know, X, Y, Z. And the side effects are, you know, it could stop any brain bleeding that you have. But if, but in some situations, it actually creates brain bleeds. And so do you want to take this medication? And I'm like, do I have a brain bleed? Do you think I have a brain bleed? He's like, I'm pretty sure you don't have a brain bleed, but we normally would give this. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is ridiculous. And for $40,000, if there's a potential to give me a brain bleed, even though I don't, like, of course, I'm going to say no to this. And so what I found was I actually had more, you know, a, a more a part of the conversation as opposed to an insurance situation where they just do it, like they just do these things, right. And so I, I think it's actually a better experience being uninsured in that situation. You know, one other quick one is as a follow up, I had a cardiology visit. Cardiologist was like, Hey, I'm going to get give you a uh, an imaging. So I went and got a, a stress echo test. And he's like, you know what? Typically, if you were had insurance, I'd ask you to come back into the office so we can talk about it. In essence, what that mean, meant to me is something else to charge for. But he's like, since you're uninsured, is it okay if I just give you a phone call? And I'm like, uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you can give me a phone call. One is I don't have to spend, you know, an hour and a half of my day, like going to a, you know, a doctor's office and sitting in the waiting room, which is probably one of the worst things on the planet is sitting in the waiting room at a doctor's office. Right. Um, and you don't have to charge me for it, but he did that because I don't have insurance, you know? And so in essence, what we're doing is we're creating a doctor patient relationship again, as opposed to a doctor health insurance plan relationship. You know, I always say, you know, you work for whoever pays you and in the insurance system, an insurance company is paying the doctor. And so that doctor is working for the insurance system In the crowd health system, I'm paying the doctor. So the doctor now works for me. Right. And that totally changes the dynamic. And we have seen, you know, people after people in a crowd health being like, it's incredible. Like my doctor has changed since I'm now paying in cash. Because it's now between me and him. I have to provide him. He has to provide me a really good service because I'm paying him. You know, it's, it's, it's gone back to value for value as opposed to that doctor just trying to maximize billing to an insurance company. And so, again, we have found almost unanimously that you get better care under this scenario versus health insurance. Yeah. No, I agree entirely. I think that's definitely uh, – definitely uh, – True, because you, you align everybody's incentives or 
to put it more accurately, you get rid of all the misaligned incentives caused by fiat, which, I mean, sounds almost like I'm parodying myself by blaming everything on fiat. But if you think, yeah, it's true. Just because it sounds ridiculous doesn't mean it's not true. It really is the fault of fiat. Everything bad is the fault of fiat, and Bitcoin fixes everything that's wrong with the world. It's just the way it is. Um, you can laugh at it, but it's not going to stop it from being true. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm just, you know, right now in the United States, we're going through what's called open enrollment, which is at the end of the year, every year, you kind of have to decide what you're doing for the following year for your, your healthcare expenses. We will probably double, maybe even triple over the next two to three months at Crowd Health, which is a, an exciting thing, mostly because people are opting out of, you know, Obamacare, you know, health plans and opting in or or their corporate you know health insurance and opting into to crowd health so if anybody's listening who's in that situation we'd love to have at least a conversation with you to see you know where you're at what your situation is and see if we can help you out because we'd love for you to join kind of the revolution to change the way that we do healthcare in this country and you know you can go at all the reviews online whatever like we treat we treat our people well we love each other well we are a community of people who are trying to change healthcare trying to change the monetary system and so as as i've kind of said in the past like i started crowd health to burn down the healthcare system so that people can have a real relationship with their doctor you know burn down the monetary system so the government can stay out of our money and enable people to as i mentioned earlier you know, live to be, you know, 80 or 90 years old and still be able to run around the backyard with their, their kids. Like, and if you're passionate about any one of those three things, then, you know, I think our community is something that you could benefit from and we could be benefit from you being a part of our community. So we'd love to, to have you, um, you know, safe SAIF is the code and you get six months for 99 bucks a month, which is a hell of a deal and you get to be part of this community so we'd love to have you excellent yeah and i strongly recommend it as well who knows safe safe could be one of the ones helping you fund your your next pregnancy or something like that so you know it's it's amazing to me how the, the because i do a lot of the, the the crowdfunding so i i i go through our list and say okay this person's gonna help this person this person's gonna help this person um it's still something i do even as a ceo because i think it's that important but the people i see who are funding each other's healthcare expenses like you have individual people reaching out to you and, and help and if i could only say to some people like hey safety or Breedlove or Marty or Jimmy Song or, you know, other people who I can't mention that would blow your mind, like who are members of Crowd Health. But it's the type of people who you're seeing on Twitter or elsewhere or all the, you know, big media companies, they're on there. I'm blown away by the people who are helping others with their healthcare expenses. And it is some of the the heroes of, I know mine, and I think yours as well, based upon some of the tweets that I've seen, leading the way in freedom and liberty and, and you know, fighting it back against some of the tyranny of, of government intervention. And so I'm, I'm honored to be in community with some of those people. So I'm hoping I can have some more of them, you know, on my podcast, and they'll actually come out and say that they're crowd health members, because it's not right for me to to out them, but it's a, it's an incredible group of people who've gotten together and are, you know, and are in this battle together. So we'd love for you all to join us. Excellent. Now the question that we keep getting, uh, I keep getting from a lot of my listeners is when are you going to expand outside the U S mm, yeah. One of the things we don't want is people to submit fake bills 
you know, if, if you're like, oh, well, you know, I tore my ACL and it's $30,000. So, you know, crowd health members pay for it. We have a really good system in the United States for identifying those um, so that we can keep the fraud out of the system. And so once we can figure out how to do that in, you know, other countries, we will expand. And now that we are no longer relying upon a fiat rails, you know, payment rails, and it's now on a Bitcoin payment rails, the payment side has resolved itself. So we can get paid, you know, by anybody. It doesn't matter if you're in El Salvador or the United States or Zimbabwe. Um, so we figured that part out. The next question is, how do we validate that the bills that you're submitting are real, true bills? Because I don't want to have the community pay for fake bills. So we're trying to figure that component out. So if anybody who's listening to that, um, who's really, really smart, that can help us with that, we'd love to figure it out because we've got a lot of people that internationally are asking for this, especially people in you know high inflation type of environments who are saying like, I, this, this is terrible. Um, so we're working on it. Excellent. Yeah, well, I wish you the best of luck on that. I think a lot of people would like to join it. And I think, uh, I mean, I don't think the insurance industry is as bad uh, anywhere as it is in the US. The US is number one when it comes to how terrible the insurance industry is. But still, this is just so much better than all the other ways of paying for healthcare, in my opinion. So I wish you guys all the best as you take over the world. And, you know, with uh, with Bitcoin, that makes payments a lot easier internationally. You're not going to have to do a, an international wire every time. Yeah. No, I mean, it's instantaneous. That's a beautiful thing about, about Lightning is somebody can be in, you know, Johannesburg and I can get them money almost instantly. And so that's the beauty of, of the Lightning Network and one of the reasons why we're, we're using it. I think this is a better rail system, if I can call it that, than the fiat rail system. And it's only a matter of time before... More industries, not only just healthcare, will realize that. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Well, um, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for your time. And uh, thank you for everything that you do at Crowd Health. I wish you guys all the best. Um, anything else you want to tell uh, our listeners uh, about your website, where to find you? Yeah, joincrowdhealth.com is the is our website. Uh, Twitter, we have actually two Twitter accounts now. It's crowdhealthbtc is our Bitcoin Twitter account. So we're focusing on all things Bitcoin, Lightning. Once this interview goes up live, we'll 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 repost it on on that one. Or join Crowd Health is our other one, which is a little bit more of a general. And one of the things I've found is our system is so different than their health insurance. I have to step function this. I have to get people understanding what we do as an organization just and how much better it is than health insurance. And then once I got in there, then I can take them into the orange pill them into the Bitcoin community. And so trying to some trying to convince somebody who is not a Bitcoiner to not only change the way that they pay for healthcare, but also change the way that they think about the world and in a low time preference way is a too 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 big of steps. So I've kind of taken a step function approach to this. So I'm I'm using our two two different Twitter accounts to help me do that. But join both. The the information is not duplicative. So we'd love for you to join us there too. Lots of fun conversation that happens on on Twitter and our account. So we'd love for you to join us. Excellent. Well thank you so much, Andy. Have a good day. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Take care.